day, on every street, in every city. Women are insulted, abused, threatened. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Are you planning on going with someone? Would you like to go with me? Much too beautiful to be a model. What's her secret? What is she hiding? Where is she going? Honeywell is an internet loudmouth. Boy, New York City in the 2020s sure is dangerous. Hated and reviled by his few remaining friends, he catches the attention of Thomas DJ, perhaps the world's most cunning supervillain. Ensconced in his ultra-scientific hideout, with only his robot army and stunning assistant to keep him company, DJ springs into action. What is this? See? Virginia, use the molecular transmigration beam to bring this fool to me! Virginia trains the hellish mechanism, and with a clap like thunder, and in a blinding psychedelic light, Chris Honeywell stands before his tormentor. Normally, I do not suffer fools, but I see beyond the yawning chasm of ignorance that is your brain and the endless sluice of sewage which is your mouth that they form a basic animal intelligence that I may be able to mold to my own devices. Uh, okay. Therefore, in my mercy, I offer you two choices. Instant painless disintegration or you study grindhouse movies at my feet now! Choose! Uh, I choose not disintegration. So be it. In one month, I shall assign you a movie to watch and will summon you again. Be ready, or the consequences shall be swift and merciless. Right, but how do I get to the- Now go! And thus began one of the most dangerous and unpredictable endeavors in evil sciencing. The Honeywell Experiment! Virginia, summon the subject!
This is what I'm talking about. It smells like pee-pee. Dirt on garbage. the ground. The, the constantly burning fires. Those <sighs> rats aren't even scared of the fires. They're actually playing. They're actually playing Jack Sprat with them. That one rat's on fire, and it's just standing there looking at me. Anyway, why do I feel nostalgic for this particular version of New York? A lot of people do. I know. I never, that... I, never ex- I never experienced it, so I can I I can I can feel the nostalgia only secondhand through media, and it it seemed like. I have I I would have liked to have done specific things in that time period of New York yeah. City, like gone into a grindhouse and sat and watched mm-hmm. four movies in a row, you know, in the, in the right. grindhouse and stuff. But I remember I remember in 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 school, my friends from New York in high school who had been to go, you know, they have ashtrays in the backs of the seats in the movie theaters, so you can just yeah. sit in the movie theaters and smoke, and I was just yep. like, oh. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh boy. But um the reason we are here in this special simulation is because we are talking about a film that is quintessentially New York in its grindhousiness. Um the second film by a noted wild man, but very smart wild man, as we'll discuss, Abel Ferrara, 1981's Ms. 45. Big one on my list of shame for this, Which, this movie. Much like Reservoir Dogs is the last 20 minutes of City on Fire writ large and transformed. As you pointed out to me when we started discussing this, Ms. 45 is Thriller Accrual Pictures' last 25 minutes writ large and yeah. kind of mutated yeah it's it, it, like if I was given if I had to give the shortest pitch on this movie I would say uh, feminist taxi driver mm-hmm. which is why th- th- there's that scene towards the end when she's getting ready for the party and she's looking in the mirror and she's play shooting 100% that's him that tweaking so tweak Taxi think. Driver. He's yes. tweaking the nose of Taxi Driver. He's the, he, he takes little tweaks at, at Hitchcock. There's a sort mm-hmm. of reverse psycho shower scene mm-hmm. in this. And uh, yeah, he, he, he wears his influences on his sleeve, but at the same time, he turns them into New York, you know, so... Yeah. Like the, the 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 elements of it are there, but it he, he it's not like De Palma, like right. copying a style or anything. He just makes sure sure you get it, and uh, and it could have been really corny and stupid, but it it was it's no. awesome. <laughs> well, you know why I think it's not corny and stupid. Um, the the pre- the central presence of Zoe, then Zoe Tamerlis, later Zoe Lund. Then Zoe Tamerlis again um, has has our Christina Lindbergh uh, stand in, and once again I think she similar way looking yeah character mute <laughs> mute yes exact except for one word mm-hmm. um absolutely fucking gorgeous such a crush on her 
she did other movies beside this, and I saw those movies, and I was like, oh yeah, oh. But she she's ama- she's amazing, and um, everybody else is kind of local New York actors, and, and which is good. Which Lots is of access. It, it is a New York film. It is a film. Except for the the except for the 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 bag lady that's walking with the yeah. with the ADR'd in like yeah. southern accent as <laughs> she crosses the street. <laughs> Couldn't I did not understand that. Right. It's oh boy. It 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 is it is a great. I think it's a great film. I think it's very lean. It is not as, you know, it's funny because in the 80s, people like to write it for its violence, but its violence is very stylized and obscured most of the time. Yeah, like the, like, I mean, it's mostly just squibs, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's not as, as um, gruesome as I thought an Abel Ferrara movie would be, but it's it's mean-spirited and that makes oh, up oh, for yeah. a lot of the the it, it, it makes it feel as gritty as if you saw like flesh and brains flying and stuff yeah. like that but um yeah i just i i just love and I, I think it's it's not just the violence that's mean the view of everybody of everybody is mean even even our central character who is sympathetic but the thing is the more she goes down into vigilantism the more sexualized she becomes yes yes i think that was a conscious decision on ferrara's he wanted to make us uncomfortable well you know it could have been like i mean that's 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 the thing it could have been a very simple revenge story this yeah i mean just i mean just it, it, i i don't know how i i'm want to hope for the love of god that this is an implausible story premise that you get raped twice yeah. on the way home from work in new york city in that time period <laughs> but Basically after, after that 45 minutes you think it could have been it could have been basically i spit on your grave where the the lead character gets raped and takes out a revenge and you're it's it's a full tale because you know she's getting getting her revenge on the people who attacked her or people like the people who attacked her but this one makes it very clear after a while it starts out like that and then it makes it very clear she's gone off the she's 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 gone she's nuts she's inside she's there's a religious act aspect, you know, she's right. And, and repressed sexuality and all that gets mixed up. So by the, by, by not even the end, but by, the, you know, midway through the movie, she's, she's lost her ever loving mind. By and, the time uh, she gets so upset because she let the, uh, the, the one guy who was kissing his girlfriend in the corner go. Yes, you know well, it's well, like she, he got away. She was gonna get him, but he, yes, she, she just didn't time it time it right. But that was where I was starting to think, okay, this movie's like there's a little bit of her, you know, she's crazy internally, and it's it's pretty much from her point of view. 
Mm-hmm. And I think there becomes a point where she just thinks she's the, 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 she's, the, the she's an agent one. of God. Yeah. And, and at that point, that guy, all he was doing was hanging out with his girlfriend and making out with her. He wasn't right. doing, doing it like, Basically, everybody in this movie is just creepy and sleazy. Yeah. And uh, it's but, like but, the first couple of murders, the way that the way that he plays it, you can kind of sort of say, OK, the, the guy, the heckler on the street, that was an axe. That was kind of an accident because he looked threatening because he was running after her. The pimp who who cares about, you know, yeah, that, that that's a bad guy. And he's right. shown being his, but then you get just that that sleazy photographer who's just a sleazy photographer, and that's where, where you're going. Okay, she just she's just looking to get her aggressions out. Yes, she's been and living in this silent world for so long where she can't really communicate, and having to deal with a slimy ass boss. And, and no. which is a, he's a weird character too because he's they 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 portray him as like a stereotypical gay clothing designer you know come on with all the come on ladies yes. and he's My kind of big bitchy and and uh, but at the same time you know hey girl you're my girls and all that stuff but no he's he's kind of a hetero sleaze <laughs> definitely he's a definite sleaze I mean and. I'm surprised it took him that long to try to force himself on. Well, that's that's the thing. That. They portray it as he's like the sympathetic gay character who's sort of oh. taking her under his wing and maybe feels a little paternal about her mm-hmm. and stuff. No, he's just trying to get in her pants, just like everybody no, no. else. But, but no, the, the the scene where he's giving her that kind of pep talk, you know, mm-hmm. you, know you disappeared all a Friday afternoon and... Uh, that's not nice and he's being very supportive but then he puts his hands on her yeah 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 in a way that is just uncomfortable the shoulder rub he's he's giving her the sleazy shoulder rub of just like "Ah, i finally got my hands on you i've got an excuse and and yeah and 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 it it, it's funny because I've heard all sorts of horrible sexist things about Abel Ferrara, but this is yeah. a very, very like keyed in on the just sleazy, like sleaziness of men in a negative, in a yeah, a, extremely negative, portrayed in a I negative mean, way. Even the guy in the bar, who perhaps is the who, with the exception of the guy on the on the street corner who gets away maybe didn't deserve it well he he has is... that speech and you're like oh you're, you're sympathizing with him sympathizing with him and then he strangles his his wife's cat and you're like oh yeah so, yeah 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 uh, he... like that was that was the point where i thought the movie started taking if not a religious overtone maybe from with it i i think whether it's the movie that thinks this or inside her head thinks the universe god wanted her to start killing people mm-hmm. that that belong dead and god was making was making her her his agent mm-hmm. that's why she didn't kill the guy that was making out with his girlfriend he wasn't supposed to be dead she mm-hmm. was supposed to kill that guy and she was balking at it just lo- uh, or she screwed up 
and but the universe needed him dead so he just did it for her you know and uh and uh and up to the point where she finally like when she kills the first guy guy and hacks him up in in her tub yeah she's disgusted and freaked out and she's acting suspiciously and weirdly and you know she's she's the hitch hitchcock protagonist you know in trouble and and the universe just works against her until she decides i'm just going to go out and shoot people and yeah. then she can just go out and sh- in in pre pre of course ca- video cameras everywhere in new york yeah. city you can just go out and shoot people and she's just going shooting people in broad daylight and going home at, but up and up until the point where she decides to do that like she can't even walk out of the house with a pe- with a piece of the guy in a bag without everybody that walks by or going, "Hey, what's in the bag?" You know, yeah. everybody well, just I mean, like yeah, that, that. That sequence very early on when her and uh, Laurie and the and the other I forget who the other uh, worker is that they that they always hang out together at lunch, and they're walking down the street and you just see a line, literally lines of guys catcalling the three of them. Which is realistic, especially yes, but, at that time period. Yeah. And but, uh, I actually had some affection, by the way, for Lori, for, for Darlene Studo with her. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> what is this, a zoo? You're like going at like a bunch of monkeys! Yeah, and, and, with, the, and with the photographer in the, uh, in yeah, the, in the restaurant. Yeah, I'm so glad she didn't get shot at the end. <laughs> I... I'm almost sure I ate in that restaurant. I'm almost sure that restaurant's. Oh, in- oh no! I've been to the. I was to the Brew Burger. I remember. I remember the Brew Burger. There are there are things that I remember going to that I recognize. Many of the locations here. In this film. There, there was a place I ate in Greenwich Village that looked exactly like that place, and then afterwards my friends were like, oh yeah, that place has been there unchanged for like the last 40 years, and I was <laughs> like, yeah, it totally <laughs> felt like that. And, uh, but, um, and the thing is, of course, you know, the burglar, who is the first victim, deserves it 100%. And you can definitely, well, she's defending herself, Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it's like, uh, by the way, the the first rapist, the guy in the mask, Abel Ferrara. Abel Ferrara himself. Yes. Um. And once again, the the heckler on the corner with his blind friend. And he's the creepiest of them all in this yeah. movie. He's so that scene is, that scene like I'm like, yeah, women who've experienced rape or sexual abuse should never watch this movie. That's a little no. too like. Little well, too like, like playing most, it close to the bone. <laughs> that that mask. Yeah. That yeah. see-through mask makes him positively inhuman. And then and the, but the point that he's got to like whisper in her ear, yeah. have a whole oh, conversation. Yeah, the whole again. conversation and stuff yeah. is totally like, like, you know, he he's it, it it's not like I like something like I spit on your grave. Right. It's it's re- it's a layer more realistic and brutal mm-hmm. even it's not it's not it's not um dressed up into into movie language as yeah, much yeah, as yeah, is yeah. just sort of like somebody filming it 
in a back alley in, in a dirty, filthy back alley in New York. I mean, I would put this film in with, like, um, oh, God, what did, uh, basically with, with alongside, like, Greg Lamberson, our good friend Greg Lamberson's earliest films, and um, the, the earliest films of Frank Henelotter, mm-hmm. in that they revel in the dirtiness. And the, not in a, a salacious way, but they, but they're like, this no, is this where I got my first New taste. York. <laughs> this is where I got my taste of, yeah. of CD movies and mm-hmm. in and, and, and around the thing here. about that first rape is she's at her most desexualized at that point. She is just wearing regular business clothes. Yeah, she's, she's she's that person who's trying to just sink into the background right. everywhere, you know. But it, it, that that is just that's super gross. And then, and we know that the and the thing is, of course, Ferrara lets us know this is a Hitchcock thing. Lets us know there's somebody in her apartment before she gets back, and she's already disheveled. I I love the fact that that she's carrying. That one, um, that one uh, bottle of Coke, those old glass bottle of Coke mm-hmm. with foam on it. Um, I'm assuming that she she lost because you'll notice like when she's in the supermarket, what's the first thing she shops for? Pieces of meat. And I can't help but think that that is a that is Ferrara making kind of like a wry comment about how she's going to be treated. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of meat. Yeah. <laughs> in this, this, this movie. Even but, Phil, but, Phil gets a little taste of the meat. Oh yes, Bogey. Let's hear it for Bogey the dog. <laughs> Phil is a good, obnoxious little dog, and yeah. in, in the in the, and I love how she plays the neighbor as just the relentlessly obnoxious neighbor, just always. But everybody's had one of those obnoxious neighbors. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Or, in in my case, obnoxious roommates who just get on your nerve and you you just want to be left alone and they just continue to impose themselves. They focus in on exactly what you don't want. Right. And and relentlessly pursue it. And, and, yeah. I was waiting for for her to get it. (laughs) But I'm like, ah, I don't think she's going (laughs) to... And I, I love <laughs> the fact that no, no. It, I think in Fana's mind, Phil is her greatest nemesis. Yeah, because he's underneath her barking all the time. Yeah. Um. And I, I think that feeding some of the burglar to Phil was an uh, act of aggression. Yeah, and it also yeah, it also made made her a little made it. Well, that's the, that's the thing is when she took Phil out, I'm like, no, no, not Phil. And then I'm like, ah, but Phil knew too much. Yes. But but then Abel Ferrar gives us the quote unquote happy. It's like the most hilarious, tacked on happy ending. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's perfect. Well, the, it reminds us, I it. think, that Thana, even in the depths of her insanity, was mm-hmm. a human being. Yeah, couldn't 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 kill Phil, and it it was it was it was it was perfect. I don't, 
it, it, it made me think he didn't even think of that originally. And some mm-hmm. point they thought of it, and they go, "We got to end it like that." And it's just perfect. <laughs> yeah. No. This is this is going to be one of those episodes where we're just going to be saying great things about this film, and <laughs> it'll sound pretty boring. Another another minor thing that I noticed about yeah. this that was really that was really interesting is like. I, I know when you like when you're doing a film shot in New York City, you're not just filming, you know, you can't just film just the passers by going by. So you yeah. got to pick out extras and stuff. He always made his his street passing extras were always a little extra. Mm-hmm. Like there's this one Ned Beatty guy. And I yeah. see I saw him in like three different scenes walking around in the back, walking, mm-hmm. pausing and just sort of standing around looking, and he's all dressed up in a sort of ill-fitting Ned Beatty suit. Mm-hmm. And then there was a pair of twins, like little girls who were twins, who were right. just dressed dressed alike and like skipping around together, and they turned up a couple times. And I was just like, well, you know, like he, he had to make the decision to put the twins out there and put, and it was just little extra things like that that added some personality. And there was what the one scene where they're like arguing in the traffic one of the trucks in the traffic said, uh, Ralph Ferrara, <laughs> Ralph yeah, Ferrara, yeah, electrician on it. And I'm like, things. you know, that's his uncle, his connected right. uncle Ralph, who's just like, hey, you know, you can use the electronics trucks to drive your film shit around if you put it in the movie. <laughs> and that, like, Abel Ferrara, just the look of him, especially at this time period, mm. is like, that is like, gritty new york city artist like when i went down down there in 2004 for the republican convention with my friend mm-hmm. who's a scrawny scrawny i i mean uh, just to be frank he looks like he's a heroin addict he's mm-hmm. a scrawny sicilian guy with with who likes to dress in in jean jackets and stuff and when we were in new york city he was our most valuable asset to like the people the natives that we needed to native guides <laughs> because yeah. they, one guy just stopped him and goes like, dude, where do you live? And he's like, Rochester, New York. He's like, you should live in New York city. You look like you're New York city. <laughs> and it's like, there was this whole, t- especially in the seventies and eighties of all these like skinny, skinny Italian guys, you know, with, with, uh, with long hair and mustaches running around like, you know, Lou Reed's and, (laughs) and that was just sort of the New York gritty artist look, you know? Right. And this is, this is that just, it's all that from top to bottom, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And it's just, um, what did you, okay. Of course, I'm sure everybody is, is thinking this now. What did you make? Of that groovy party. Oh my God! <laughs> well, I have been to art parties before, and that's an art party. Yeah. It's, it's someone's loft in New York City. It's it like that's the thing about this is like, you know, most people dress up stuff to look like. You could tell Abel Ferrara. I've, I was a student filmmaker. I I know when you know when somebody dresses up a warehouse to look like a loft and when you go find your friend who has an art loft and just say can we film in this it's already you know I I know what a dressed up Superman the movie you know Metropolis City Street gritty dirty 
street looks like as opposed to let's just go here and film right. amongst the garbage and that's what Abel for like her hot like most people will set dress a house up a little more her apartment was just somebody's apartment somebody's you know? apartment yeah no no. Fr- no frills nothing to like make it look more aesthetically cinematic or anything it's mm-hmm. it's just filming with what you have and as such it just sort of like captures new york city at that 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 obnoxious best point of that time period you know and realistically without it being just sort of a um uh uh, an exaggerated you know this is new york city (laughs) yeah look at us we are glamorous no no it's not glam this is not a glamorous new york at all uh what i want to know is i want to know the story behind the guy in the bootleg mr met costume oh geez because abel spends a lot of time focusing on him just hanging out in the background doing this i know i know and i was looking at him going is this guy this guy is isn't he a licensed character oh well i guess he doesn't I mean, care it's obviously somebody's homemade costume of mr met right yes because but... my first thought was well, maybe he knew the guy who was playing Mr. Med at the time. But no, no, it's it's obviously it's obviously homemade. No, he probably just knew the guy who made his own Mr. Met <laughs> costume yes. and goes to all the games and says, that guy's way more interesting. I'm putting him in the movie. So it's this is this is a this is just a really great film. Yeah, it's it's well written, it's well acted, it's beautifully ph- photographed. And I like the fact that even the most grotesque, like like when she's chopping up the body, the way that Ferrara shoots it doesn't get grueled because you know, like day by some uh, some equivalent of Abel Ferrara, who probably would not have the brains of the man. See, that's the thing people forget. Abel Ferrara is a Hell, a smart guy. Uh, they would focus on the. Uh, you would see the knife going into the arm, and and it would take. It would linger over the special effects. Whereas, no, I don't need to do that. You know exactly what's going on. You can hear it. <laughs> and you see the blood going down on the paper. You know, dripping down on the newspaper. I like the fact that, the, that she's so practical about it too. Just let me put down newspaper. Let me. Although yep. I, I would not have used that. I would not have used that particular outfit as my <laughs> chopping up a body outfit. Because <laughs> I, I would have. I would have. Based, especially since it's, the, it's 1980, so these things still exist. I would have gotten one of those clear ponchos. Yeah, you're just supposed to do it naked like a real serial killer and just go shower <laughs> off afterwards. Yeah, but she's not a she's not a, 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 a she's not no that not yet kind of serial. Killer. <laughs> she is yeah, a right, serial right. killer, yes, but she's not that kind of a serial killer who's doing this for sexual gratification. If you would, although it seems like if you would have given her a little more time. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe well, considering like, like she goes from she goes from these like very very attractive but sensible clothes to that filmy um that filming evening wear attire 
to what I like to call evil Little Red Riding Hood outfit. Yeah, you know? no, she starts she starts basically putting on a moth light. Yeah. <laughs> she starts like trying to attract as much. I mean, it's like I'm sitting there going like, still, it's like, okay, I can see she probably borrowed this from the the showroom, the the little black filmy outfit where she she lures that right. that that wonderfully diverse group of group of uh, uh, aspiring rapists who have it's a like whole this... whole yeah they have a whole strategic they they they've camped out that yeah. area as their area they have a whole like choreographed way yes <laughs> like, i know and, like, pr- and the thing prey. i found fascinating is like okay you've got a black guy you got a uh a latino guy you got a white guy you know, it's like only only in the movies do you see these integrated gangs yes yeah they that that they they love well yeah that was that was uh that was try that was just i you see usually that was to get around being having people you know criticize you but like i also get the the impression that abel farrar doesn't care if anybody criticizes him so i oh, no so I wonder why why he did that, or maybe it might have been just like who he could cast for it. I, or... I think it was. I, I think this was a case. Remember, this is his second film. Uh, his first film, Driller Killer, was made like on what we have in our pockets right now. Right. Uh, this one had some funding, but it was still very low budget. So I think a lot of this, a lot of this cast was just who do I know? Right. Um. So I think it was just well you. Well, let me see if I can do my Abel Ferrara um, impersonation. Because I, I saw him. He once was a guest at a, at a Fango Con I had to attend. Because I was working for Fango at the time. He was uh, promoting Body Snatchers. And he was so... He was did not want to be there. <laughs> he so did not want to be there. He was heckling the audience. Where where were you? Where were you when, when I was casting my film you look like a martian <laughs> but but i could just imagine <laughs> him going you look like a tough guy you could be a rapist my favorite part of that is though the the, the one shot he gets is of the black guy with the nunchucks <laughs> where he does that half-assed Wah! and it's like they're, you know, they're all counting on her being intimidated. And I just think they would, if if they had all that time to work out their routine, mm-hmm. that they they were just a bad gang. They just stood there yeah. and got shot one by one. Right. Well, because they were counting on her to be kind of intimidated, which is why, of course, the the guy with the nunchucks is doing his his half-assed nunchuck routine. To intimidate her. And when she chooses not to be intimidated and pulls out a gun and starts shooting, they're the ones who are intimidated. And yeah. Shocked. So they go run because they're, they're, they're too shocked that this is happening. She's just, she is a good shot. That's all yeah. I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and then of course she goes, <laughs> gets picked up. even when she's go- leaving the scene of the crime, she, she has, she gets, per- she gets perved on. That was by, pretty. By, by, the, by the most un-Arab Arab I've ever seen. Actually, no, I stand corrected because Michael Pena 
in um oh my god that's right they 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 stuck the two what year was this made? early 80s right yes 19 it, it was made in 1980 released in 1981 okay so like two huge i mean that was that was that was a stereotype in there the chic yeah. that's cut that's in america to buy up america yeah and, i mean so they got the two biggest 80s stereotypes out of the way in one scene the yeah. the the multiracial gang and the and the big fat Arab who's oh. just like, Hello, you like money? I got money. I will give you some if with you with, with the driver who looks like, you know, he's I thought he's, for a second because because of the way he he sounded a little bit like uh um Vincent um uh, Vincent Chivelli. And I thought for a second, that can't be Vincent Chiavelli. but And it's not. But I, I thought it was maybe him in an early role at one point. Yeah. But yeah, no, exactly. He, he perbs on her, and he pays the price. Even though she's setting up the whole situation, she gets in the car with him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, no, yeah. no, she's... Tri- but like, like I said, well, that's... But the thing is, you can see, yeah, she... Uh, she probably just borrowed this from from the, the showroom. When we next see her on one of her hunting trips, and she's wearing the bad red Riding Hood outfit, you know, the black cloak and the red, the really tight red sweater with the black leather pants. Mm-hmm. That's a conscious decision. Yes, yes. That's, that's, that's putting that on one. that's putting on your superhero vigilante costume, yes. suiting up and going out. That yep. is a conscious decision. And at that point, she is too far gone. And just like I think the, the nuns have it, even though I think it also has a symbolic thing in this film, was a conscious decision because she's like, if oh, he's nice sure. to me, I don't have to pull. I don't have to pull the uh, the gun out of my garter. Well, each bullet was a kiss. Yes. <laughs> but he, she is at, at that point just away with the pixies. Yes. The Teflon coated pixies. But Yeah, this is but uh that that swinging that swinging ass theme song that we hear during the party constantly. <laughs> uh which is called the Miss 45 Dance Party. It actually has a name because it's mentioned in the credits. Oh, you know, I'll be out searching for the soundtrack to this. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I, I, I fully expect you to have yeah, Miss 45 could... Dance Party playing in the background as we have this discussion. <laughs> I fully expect that. Either that or, or Phil the Dog. Miss, 40, <laughs> Miss 45 Dance Party is not the dance party you want to attend. No. no. Maybe like the first 10 minutes and then leave. <laughs> one thing I would change. I would make Lori act a little quicker during Ms. 45 dance party. It's I'm torn on that because it's hard to stab somebody with a butcher knife if you're just a normal person. You know right. what I mean? Even if that even that stuff's going on like 
you you it, like I, I you you could see that like the direction was probably like you want you want to stab her and stop this, but but this you, is your friend and this is your friend and putting and you have a but she has a butcher the butcher knife like if somebody had a baseball bat it'd be easier to baseball batter than to stab somebody. If only the, Mr. Men had thought ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's what I got out of it was the woman was standing there in horror of what was going on and then just not wanting to put a knife into somebody's body. So, but Although having I, to. I have to say, I would be interested to see uh, if somebody like wrote a script for a remake in the here and now, because obviously what we're dealing with is a woman who suffers from massive post-traumatic stress disorder yeah and the and i mean if you if you think it through even more there's since since she speaks at the end right you she's capable of speech so if she's not speaking that's probably some trauma in the past too yeah so. oh well see, i think that might be the one mistake if somebody tried to remake this 45 today they yeah would they would show her childhood too far into her background they would show where they would show the inciting incident that made her mute in her child you know the they inner would show childhood. her witnessing her mother being raped yes or being being raped by her father or something yeah, yeah. it had to be something along something those lines yeah yes yeah, something rapey and horrible it's very it's very tommy like actually yeah, yeah. and i I think that that would dilute her as a as a character because up until the point where she's like where as you put it she's wearing her superhero outfit you can kind of project whatever you want onto her you can project yeah and you can rationalize her negative acts up to that like once she gets into bad little red riding hood mode it's you know i mean even well a lot you know, of oh go ahead, go ahead that happens in modern music or modern music modern movies modern. and 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 remakes especially too <laughs> it, modern remakes especially is you have the whole context of the the former movie somebody's remaking it you know the people who remade it have watched the movie they've read the script and they've they've decided you know they're gonna sit down and figure out how to re-up this so you you have things like okay she's mute and stuff so there's just this net and in sort of modern writing like they like to cover everything and and like people like the consumers like to have everything they like to have all the backstory that they can get and all that and stuff and when you originally make a movie of this he's you got budget constraint you know budget constraints there's only so much you can show and it it gains a lot from it from not knowing we we as the viewers have a little more we have more insight from it because we're following her character but we never are allowed completely inside of her head I'm going and, to compare this film to another classic that came out about three years before, John Carpenter's Halloween. Not what I was expecting. Okay, okay. but the thing is, Michael Myers 
is given almost no backstory. So John Carpenter treats him like a force of nature. And mm-hmm. that's the point of Halloween. Halloween is a story about about Jamie. Not Jamie, uh, you know, Laurie. Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode. When it was remade by Rob Zombie, it became a film about Michael. So we mm-hmm. learned his backstory in detail. Mm-hmm. It lessened his effectiveness as a force of nature. And that is, I think, the biggest flaw. I don't think the Rob Zombie Halloween is a bad film. No, I, I I enjoyed it on a few levels, but yeah, you're you're totally right. But you get to the point though where the movie's been out, been sequeled and around yeah. for 25, 30 years, that you can't go back. You can't go back to the mysteriousness of it because there's just too much already laid down. You know, you can't. It's it. it I mean, it, it screwed up a lot of like Fre- it was. Yeah. You know, with Freddie, Jason, the, the the more you added to their character, the more ridiculous. <laughs> it became and there's just this strong need like in the the way we do media now like where you can tell every character's backstory and stuff and you know everything and it takes it takes the realism i think away from stuff for me because Mm -hmm. when you're living life and experiencing stories in your life Mm -hmm. you don't know everything in it right that's going on that you have walk-on characters you don't know their backstory you have to just deal with what you have in the situation and that that always makes it more interesting Mm -hmm. for me the point i'm trying i'm I'm making here is that because we don't have thana's backstory we can look upon her and especially since it, it you know the name thana you know, there's that line in the at the uh, Miss Forty Five dance party, where where uh, Albert's friend asks, "Is that Greek?" The Greek god of death is called Thanatos. Yes, yeah, I didn't even, I never, I especially like after the Thanos movies came yes. out, I should have, I it should have just like pricked up my ears immediately. I didn't, never even thought of that. So yeah, totally. I'm not saying that Al- Abel Ferrara, like John Carpenter, wanted Thana to be a force of nature. I think he wanted her to be the god of death. He wanted her to be looked upon as the as like a god of vengeance. Shiva, yeah, yeah, Shiva the and, destroyer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, and totally. I think that if somebody, I don't, I'm trying to. If somebody tried to remake this in 2021, they would give her too much backstory, and that would take away the mythic quality that Abel. They would. They would not want to kill her at the end. Yes. Um, because it could be a it could be a franchise. Mm-hmm. And this could be a franchise, but right. Like, luckily, it it wasn't. <laughs> but well, no, no, yeah. it, it it told its story, but then yeah. again. Nightmare on Elm Street told its story. It didn't need a second one or a third one or a fourth one. And, the, you know, if it wasn't for the second one, we wouldn't have, you know, Wes Craven trying continually to kill the beast. Right, right. You know, okay, three is going to be the absolute last one. No? Okay, this one's going to be the absolute last one. No? I give up. 
and even dead, I'm sure he's going, no, no more. As his, as his estate is, is auditioning people for, for... <laughs> no shit. You heard that, right? You know about that. No. Are they doing another one? The is... estate of Wes Craven has been inviting pitches from various screenwriters for a new Nightmare on Elm Street remake. I can't believe that Robert Eglund isn't how, didn't camp out at their door. I think Robert Eglund's been no, trying. No, I think Robert Eglund is, is perfect. Robert Eglund He's been trying to do that a... Jackie Earl Haley got to do, got to do the last one. Because Robert Eglund is an old man. He is an incredibly fit old man. He could probably kick my ass. So please don't be mad at me, Robert Eglund, because we know he listens. Um, I think he's perfectly happy to have somebody else take over the um, take over the the makeup. But the thing is, the Freddy we saw in that first Nightmare on Elm Street was a once again a force of nature. We did learn his backstory, but just vaguely enough that it didn't take away from this the mystique of this. Just demon. enough, just enough for like ghost story level of right you know, exactly counts people burned him for doing terrible yeah. things it was a campfire story which is perfectly if you, you have to get backstory to it to a killer like that making it a campfire story is the best way of doing it um whereas you know i'm sure that when we get the, the remake we're going to get more of freddy i mean there, there are people who, who actually want to see a Nightmare on Elm Street prequel? And I'm like, no, no, that wouldn't be interesting. It's pointless. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a good director, I mean, you could take, you could, I mean, you could, you could bring back the, like, if I was tasked with doing that, I would know Mm -hmm. that my first, well, I I, I shouldn't say I would know, but my, my first thought would I have two directions I can go in this. You can go in the established direction of, you know, Freddy is a comic book horror host sort of right. character. Although he's the main villain in it, he's still, okay. he's a catchphrase yeah. spouting. But, and and lean into that, into the into the dream world weirdness. Well, until... Or you could, you could still go back and be, go into the Wes Craven, right. like do it as real horror but it would take a you know you could, it would take a good skilled horror like like del toro <laughs> could do like, um i was actually thinking he wouldn't Soskas be the ideal one. i think saskas might do an it would do an interesting one especially you know for, from a feminist point of view but the thing is the the creature we think of as freddy krueger didn't really start coming into existence until nightmare on elm street 3 Right, where right. he starts doing the quips and becomes like a stand, the stand-up comedian of horror. The first two films, he's just he is a, just this frightening presence. He's more on tap, like yeah, and 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 but you can you could you can sell that and explain that by like, if Freddy's a character who was you know he's he's a he was a human who tried to transcend into the dream world, and as time goes on he's get you know he's getting more used to it and he's enjoying himself more you know he's 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 aware he's more self-aware 
and he's having fun with it. You know, it's it's very meta, but you you could say you know that's the per. But the idea of a of a malignant person yeah. who exists in an, in the dream dimension is is really potent if you wanted to go like seriously dark yeah. with it, like in the first movie, or even darker than the you know more horror theme than the first movie, yeah. which was like horror meets teen yeah. film. But, you, but I mean, the could, thing that I thought, I don't know how we got to to, to Freddy Krueger from, but I think the thing that makes that first one work so much is that it's one of the best representations of dream logic at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that, you know, like the scene where, where Nancy is like stuck in the, the, the oatmeal as she's trying to climb the stairs. Yeah. Everybody and, can, can can sympathize because everybody has had a similar dream. And they were very they were very tuned to the like to real like they were very tuned to the the teenage audience that that were the same age as the characters in it. You know, I watched yes. that in high school and it was it was it was like it was like a it was it was like a horror John Hughes film. It, it, yeah. John Hughes, not he was he was somehow somewhat to like in some way mysterious way he was tuned into teenagers right. as a middle aged man, but that like this uh, Wes Craven too, but the, it had a real feel of like the kind of concerns and dreams and emotional state that like you know pubescent teenagers are are in and right. that's which is a very fertile place for nightmares and dreams and horror too so it just worked perfectly and you could you could do that again with a more you know realistic take on on teen kids this day this day and age mixed with it but it, yeah i i don't know it would take it would take a good you know the 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 last remake of it was you know yeah, this workmanlike thing, you know. <laughs> it's so. But I, I guess what we're coming, what we're saying is that I think that if they tried to delve into um, Thanos' pain in a remake, they would totally be missing the point. Yeah, they would. The, the, well, I think we got into this by. The, the the way you know the 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 Freddy movies sort of being ex backstory explained yeah as a as a campfire story Whereas right this one this one is more like an not an urban legend but this is more like a the the like it's a, like the, the stories actually... afterwards that people tell that were like yeah yeah I was I had a friend who was at that party and that girl just like in the nun outfit just opened up on people you know and oh, I heard that she did, you know, and her landlady said this and that. It's more of a true crime. Yeah, no, story. actually, but I, I think urban legend isn't that bad a, a choice of words for for this. It's something that that conceive. This is something that conceivably can happen, but just gets more and more exaggerated with distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, well, she gets killed before it can get like way too exaggerated for mm -hmm. reality, but it does. It gets to the point of where if it doesn't end there, it probably would have gotten too ridiculous 
in 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 premise. Mm -hmm. But uh, so I don't think I have to ask you if you recommend people see this. Film. Yeah, highly I, highly recommend this. This movie. is this is amazing, and uh, as somebody who loves Abel Ferrara as a director, I can't uh, not recommend some of his other lesser known stuff. Before most people think it's it's this film, then King of New York. The uh, Christopher Walken gangster film, but between those, he did China Girl, Fear City, and the pilot for the for one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Crime Story. Huh. He spent two years hanging out with uh, David with 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 Man. Doing stuff for Crime Story and, and Miami Vice, and then went back and started doing films again. It's it's fascinating, and and I love Crime Story. Crime Story is one of like I said, it's my second favorite TV show of all they time. They probably just liked each other and liked working together, you know. Yeah, I guess so. But it it, it it's it, it's I highly recommend you guys seeking those out, seeking that that pilot out. It's it's about ninety minutes. Um, it, and it is, there is one scene in there that is so, even though it's not his script, it is so able for our, when we have, um, Dennis Farina poking his head into the car of a bunch of gangsters, a bunch of robbers who have taken hostages and says to, to I, I hope I can get this correct. You better not kill any of these people. You better not hurt them. Because if you do, I'm going to find what you love the most. Your dog, your mother, your car, and I'm going to kill them. <laughs> kill your car dead. Yes! It's so... Oh, I, I love crime. I could... I, oh, I love crime, crime story so much. <laughs> it, it's a... It's a it was a, I've it was never a, seen it. it. It was a great... I... I almost believe that it should have lasted only one season it lasted two seasons but i think that that second season dilutes it a bit but that first season is a solid novel for television so to speak michael mann did an amazing job with that and uh he used uh one of the actors john santucci was an actual burglar he was a reformed burglar, and he was the consultant on the show, and he cast him as one of the major characters. But sounds about right. <laughs> sounds about right for Michael Mann. Yeah. So, uh, but yes. So, so Miss Forty Five. Miss Forty Five, I think, is is one of these essential um, movies in that that small subgenre of New York based films about the grimier side of the city and like i said frank hennelotter's films belong here uh slimes the first slime city belongs here uh, um what's it what's his name who directed uh cue the winged serpent yes larry cohen Cohen's, yeah some in fact if you if you have become as much of a fan of miss miss lund slash tamerless as i have my rec next recommendation is that you check out a Larry Cohen film called Special Effects. It was his favorite film. Uh, you know, he, 
he said it was his favorite film of all the ones he directed. It was done totally guerrilla style because it was done in the years after he was he was banned from shooting in New York. And he turned around and did two films back to back entirely in New York. As a kind of fuck you. So, um, but it stars Zoe Tamerlis and a young man named Eric Bogosian. So the next time Oliver Stone says he discovered Eric Bogosian, kick him in the ass. Get in line on that one. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a great film. It's a great. It's a it's a it's a, it's a great. Oh, I meant I meant get in line for people who want to kick. Oliver oh yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> doesn't want to kick Oliver Stone in the ass. I don't necessarily, but I could probably if I spent 10 or 15 minutes with him, I probably would. (laughs) If you want a good laugh, you should look up the Ben Stiller show sketch Oliver Stone Land. Oh my God. I used to love the. I never saw that one. I love the Ben Stiller show. It is. It is. It is basically Oliver Stone announcing the opening of his own Amusement park, Oliver Stoneland. <laughs> and that it, it, show was full of great impressions. Oh yeah. Oh, well, I love, Andy I love Dick. It. Andy Dick did a mean Sandra Bernhardt in <laughs> all ways of the meaning mean. <laughs> it was amazing. I mean, imagine. I, I know there are people who are so down on, on Ben Stiller these days, but look at that. Look at the the four people. Yeah. Well, you it, was, had it was Garofalo, right? Garofalo, uh, Stiller, Dick, and um, oh, what's his name, Mister? The other guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, from and and Better Call Saul. Um, yeah. David Odenkirk. Dave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bill Odenkirk. Bill Odenkirk. Yeah. Bill Odenkirk. Um. Dana Gould was a writer on the show. Has was. Uh, Odenkirk's partner in Mr. Show. Well, it leaned heavily into, like, how good Ben Stiller was at doing impressions of a wide variety of people. Like, his Bruce Willis was amazing. Mm -hmm. His Charles Manson was, like, transcendent. (laughs) I think, though, Manson! my, (laughs) My favorite sketch in that series was when they did the the grungies yes yes the the the, the grunge version of the monkeys yes Man- manson was the one that put when 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 manson was on the phone and she took the phone away from him and yeah. she's like no manson isn't in your children he's no he's just trying to help <laughs> I almost anyway so guys this. seek this out this is this is, a, I think, this is a real, especially if you're interested in that period of New York, because this is very much a New York film. Yeah. So you're going to get a little bit of all different kinds of New York accents. Right. You can almost smell what New York used to smell like. Oh God, yeah, and in New York, New York had its own peculiar smell. Yeah. It, now it just smells of disinfectant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Sometimes, sometimes you get some peepee in certain parts of yeah. Manhattan. I've, I've, but yeah. It, it, it's kind of, and I know it's like I feel guilty for having nostalgia. 
for this particular era of New York. But on the other hand, there is something very sterile to the New York that we have now. Yes, I I didn't get into Times Square till it was Disneyfied, and I was so disappointed when I first walked into Times Square for the first time and goes and I said, that what, the what? <laughs> See, I I this is some place to go shopping. Yeah. <laughs> I used to go to Hunter College for circa 1980, from 1982 to 1987. So I I spent time in the Times Square, the fabled Times Square, with the little tele. Remember how Greg was talking about the television boxes that would stand out in front that would show the trailers all day. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I, I used to walk up and down those mean streets. And it's a different, it's definitely a different experience these days because it, it feels like walking through Times Square. And now, of course, and since we had Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, mild progressive de Blasio uh, saying, we're going to have public spaces again. And we have like the, the the tables now in the middle of Times Square. It just looks it looks like a mall. Yeah. It doesn't. It, all of its character is gone. You can eat. You can eat some Subway and look across yeah. the street at the naked cowboy. At the naked exact or at the and it, it, it's it's more or the like dis, dis, cut right Disney characters in their yeah. costumes. <laughs> um. So anyway. Uh, so that was Ms. 45, and I'm looking at our schedule, and it seems like next month, I mean, next time we get together to record, hopefully that'll be next, that, that this will be the next episode we hear, we're going back to sexploitation Ooh. with a, oh. with a, a little film called Candy Stripe Nurses. Oh! A legend in my middle school. This was a Cinemax legend and that I have never seen. Legend. 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 And after that, we are going to we're gonna go and and we haven't visited after Candy Stripe Nurses, we're going to revisit a uh, subgenre we haven't revisited in a long time, namely the Italian Policia. I'm always ready to go back to Italy. With of course, with Beast with a Gun, excellent. A a a particularly notorious violent police, known for um, known for being just really grimy, and also starring one of the women that I used DNA from to make our own Virginia, Marissa Mel. You, yeah, you had me at particularly violent. <laughs> oh oh. At one point... I'll take Italian that's particularly anything. Okay. <laughs> there is one scene where a where the main character drops somebody in a pit and then just drops lie on him. <laughs> that's how they do it in Italy. Yeah, they're not, not fucking around, folks. Not fucking around at all. Filmed in the Monza vision. There you go. So, um, what's going on in well 
you and I know what's going on in, 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 at the Two True Freaks. But what what is going on in the Two True Freaks? Oh, jeez. Well, what is it going on? Well, since this is months in advance, we hopefully have had a new revamp on the site, so we we are now looking looking more modern and less 2007. Right. And and running in a more efficient manner. And uh, oh god, the Akadekaganagan Theater should be in full grinding out of right. of radio drama by now. Which is uh, Thomas and I are notoriously involved yeah. in. Yes. We, we, um, Strangers but... in Paradise. Strangers in Paradise will probably just about be like we, we should be winding. We should be well, just who... about winding up the first book of Strangers in Paradise by the time this. Actually, airs. I think we'd be going further. Cause let's see, because this comes it out. Might months. be done with it. Yeah. With this. Yeah. Is, this I'm, is like let four me months. Take a look in the at future. our schedule. Um. We have, including Miss 45, we have one, oh, we have, no, the Purple Masters we've already uh, broadcast. That yeah, I know. Yeah. So we're, I'm just going to change that on our list. We have like a big list of all the films. We're, so, uh, and, and Pets have been, has been broadcast. Which means that, um, ooh. Okay, so so we got four. So that means we're about actually we're about starting Strangers in Paradise book two. Wow. Yeah, if all goes well, if, if yeah. the world if the world holds it together, just holds it together by the thread. Right. So um, yeah, and of course you can come back here every month for the Honeywell experiment. Um, you are still doing. Um, Star Wars related material with Hope Mullinex. Yes, for for years in the future, <laughs> definitely yes. still doing it by now. Yeah, we haven't. We're we're probably in 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 uh, a good way through the uh, Star Wars Resistance cartoon, okay. and then we'll be doing the Mandalorian after that. That's on the J guys J guys and Jedi Jedi show. Right, and um. There's always a vault of starling monster yes. horror tales of terror with myself, Luke Giaconetti, his brother, Jason Giaconetti, and the other Chris, Chris Tyler. And, of course, the Giaconetti brothers have the one-two punch of Earth Destructive Directive and Bugs, Bots, and Babes. Yep, yep. And then they also are with the hair metal hero on their uh, Get Back oh, to, wrestling to Wrestling show. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they're all over the place. Plus and... a myriad of other other podcasters the legendary andrew leyland is podcasting we've got charlie niemeyer well, doing a leyland and i yeah. have been doing a series of um of specials which is basically gee andy what do you want to talk about this time let's talk about spider-man okay yep and uh Maybe by now you and I have we, we, we're discussing yeah. an octa about adulting for the future. That's adulting. not going to be a preacher. It's not going to be Jordan Peterson telling you to clean your room. It's going to be no. a, a, a a scholarly discussion on what constitutes adult in, we're going to be wearing in genre media. If anything does, and we're going to be recording it from a gentleman's club, yes. not that kind of building. 
Yes, we'll be wearing smoking jackets for yes, that. Yes, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but yeah, no, the, the the big thing is Akadekagonagon Theater Works. Uh, we, if you love Grindhouse stuff, there is there is going to be some drama that you're going to love. Yeah, by now we'll be stuffed full of all. We'll be we're adapting Strangers in Paradise, but we're also adapting public domain comics of all genres uh we've got a couple other licensed properties by, yes by works. this time well well no we can we can state that the trekker is coming in the we summer ta- say, say trekker for sure is is going to be coming. a production and we're even we're e- we're even writing some of our own stuff <laughs> yes uh there is also the vhs box theater of which by the time i think this comes out you will have heard two of Yep, and those are those are original stories based off a movie that's already been made, but we're just basing it off what we read on the back of a VHS box. That's so, right. So so it's our own interpretation. So you can listen to those, and you can go find the movie if it's po- to... if it's possible, and well, watch it and see how close we got. <laughs> Amy, our Amy uh, Riddle, our secretary, and I were having a discussion about the idea of. Um, doing a reaction a reaction recording as part of the special features for VHS box theater where we find the actual movie and we view it and we have like in time reaction to it i'm hoping we get a crazed obsessive fan <laughs> with lots of time on their hands who takes the movie and re-edits footage from the movie to our dialogue to try to fit it into to create a video version of <laughs> I'm wondering if women's women's prison massacre will be out by this time. Yeah, there you go. Because that's that's that one, that one started out as a VHS box cinema, but now it's it's going to be our one of our uh ATH After Dark HTW After Dark productions yeah. because of adult content. Yeah. That's right. We're going to do it. We're, and, and so, yeah, we'll, that's why we're doing the adulting podcast. Because yes. we're going to be a, experts on adult. That's right. So, guys, until until next time, uh, we hope that you are continuing to be safe. If the plague is not done yet, and I'm pretty sure it won't be. Nah. Wear your mask when you go out. I say it not because... For fear of me, but for for fear of your own health, because how am I going to rule over you if you're dead? Just don't wear the mask Abel Ferraro is wearing. In oh yeah, 45. no, that's creepy ass mask. I got a story about that mask for you after we're done. And uh, but you know what? I think I'm tired of hanging around in 1980s New York. I'm gonna go back to my nice warm place, and you, you have to go.
visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids, good night. We're off? Good, well that ought to hold the little bastards.